This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome back to the Blood Red podcast and to the latest edition of the Under the Radar show. I'm Matt Addison and today we'll be taking an in-depth look at a player who's been linked with Liverpool sporadically over the last few months and years and who will reportedly turn down a contract with his French side this summer. Whenever there's conversations about who might be the next big talent around world football, Ren midfielder Eduardo Camavinga is always on the list. And with just 12 months remaining on his contract this summer, if he does indeed refuse to renew his contract with the French team, a transfer move will almost certainly be on the cards. Real Madrid have also been linked and I'm sure there'll be plenty of competition for his signature, but could and should Liverpool be taking a look too. To explore what type of player Camavinga is and whether his stellar reputation is deserved, I'm joined first and foremost by French football expert Tom Williams, before I then speak to our tactics writer and analysing Anfield regular Josh Williams. Enjoy. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Tom, thanks for, for joining me. I'm really fascinated, actually, by Eduardo Camavinga. He's sort of been around for ages, but he's still only 18. He has a, a huge reputation, but he's still at Rennes in France. What can you tell us about what sort of midfielder he is? He's a very versatile midfielder. Uh, and I think this is one of the things that that really leapt out about him right from the beginning was that he was comfortable playing in a variety of, of central midfield roles. Uh, when he first came into the into the hand team at, at the back end of the 2018-19 season, uh, he'd play as as a number six uh, in in a four three three, so sort of sitting in front of the back four um, and and orchestrating the team's play. Uh, and I think that was, yeah, that that was what was really remarkable about the fact that he was getting into the team at, at the age of only 16 and playing in such a crucial position. Uh, since then, he's played slightly further forward. Uh, he can play as a number eight. He's, he's been playing with a number 10 shirt on his back this season. And from having spoken to some of his former youth coaches, there's a feeling that, you know, when he when he sort of finished developing, uh, he will end up playing as a, a real sort of goal scoring box to box midfielder. Um, but yeah, a very elegant footballer, uh, great tactical intelligence, great versatility, um, lovely left foot, great vision. Uh, and yeah, I think that's the, the thing that really leaps out is is that almost sort of spooky maturity, that ability to to read the game, to know when to speed things up, when to, to slow things down it, it is the thing that really stands out when it comes to this player. I think that's what it is for me as well. It, it's sort of all of these things that you mentioned are, are things that you might expect from a player who was maybe 10 years older than him. You know, somebody who's got a lot more experience, if they were putting in sort of those sorts of, of performances, that would probably stand out. But the fact that he's doing that at 18, it, it sort of almost seems like there's no obvious weakness within his game. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the age thing is that is is pretty unprecedented. I mean, you know, we're, we're all used to seeing teenage wonder kids explode on the scene um, but generally they tend to be attacking players they're almost always strikers or, or, or wide players maybe number 10s but to see a guy emerge at that age you know 16 when he made his debut uh, 18 now you know he's, he's a full international uh, he, he's one of the most sort of uh, exciting players in, in Liga it's it's pretty rare to see a player um, you know holding down a, a first team place at that age, in that part of the pitch, uh, I think I think he is a, a reasonably complete player. I mean, by his own admission, there are areas of his game that he can improve. Uh, he he should probably score more goals than he does. He's only got one this season in Liga. He only got one last season in Liga. 
Uh, he talks about needing to improve his, his right foot. He is quite one-footed, quite dependent on his left foot uh, to improve his shooting, his heading, things like that. Um, and actually what we've seen this season is not so much that he's regressed, but that he's stagnated a little bit. Um, he had a uh, an injury in October that kept him out for a few weeks that seemed to sort of knock his progress. Wren have had a very up and down season. The club's first season in the Champions League, and they were knocked out uh, in the group stage. Uh, very disappointingly, you know, didn't even get a, a single victory. They've had a change of coach. Um, so there's been quite a lot of, of turmoil and, and and he hasn't always been at his best. You know, he's been uh, he's been taken out of the first 11 at times. Uh, he's been used in different positions. Uh, in the most in- recent international get-together, he wasn't involved with the senior squad, uh, having made his senior debut last autumn. He actually went away uh, with France under-21s for the group stage of the, the under-21 Euro. And even there, he ended up losing his place in the team, started the first game, uh, which France lost, and then found himself on the bench for the second and third game. So there's a feeling in France that, yes, you know, this is a phenomenally talented young player with with huge potential um, who, um, you know, seems destined to play for one of the biggest clubs in, in European football. But I think what we've seen from him over the last sort of six, seven months suggests that there is still a need for patience. This is still a player who's who's finding his feet. Uh, his trajectory has not been entirely linear. There have been setbacks this season. So, yeah, for all the, the understandable excitement there is about his qualities as a player and his potential, um, uh, there is a need for, for patience as well, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he obviously plays in a few different positions. It's still very early days, but is there there's somebody that you could sort of compare him to in terms of style? If people haven't maybe seen him play before, is there somebody that maybe he models his game on or, or anything like that? Um, I mean, someone I've heard him compared to a little bit is Blaise Matuidi, um, France World Cup winning uh, midfielder. I think I think Matuidi probably has more um, when it comes to the physical side of his game, you know, in terms of endurance and, and you know, getting up and down the pitch. Kamavinga is a slightly more refined player. Um, and yeah, it's it's hard to think of anyone who, you know, who you can compare him to because he has emerged at such a young age. He is so versatile and he combines this great elegance um, with, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that he's, he's prepared to do the dirty work, that his positioning is so good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Matuidi is one, I guess, because he's left-footed fellow Frenchman. They play in similar areas of the pitch and, and similar kind of engine. Um, but, yeah, there aren't, there aren't too many players um, who he reminds you of, just because, he, you know, it, it is so unusual to see a player at that age playing in that position and, and who, who has so much under his belt at, at such a young age already. We've seen a, a fair few players sort of of that very sort of late teens, that that sort of early age of their career move on. Obviously, Jude Bellingham is one that's moved to, to Borussia Dortmund and started to impress in the Champions League. It's almost becoming a, a bit of a trend, isn't it, that sort of thing? I mean, Camavinga's not 19 until October, but does it sort of feel like he's maybe ready to make that next step? I know you said he'd sort of stagnated this season. Do you think maybe a move could be the thing that unlocks the next level of, of his progression, perhaps? I'm not sure that it necessarily would be. I think what he needs at the moment is game time. Um, he's under contract at Rennes until the summer of 2022. Uh, and when he has been asked about his future in the last few months, he said that if he ends up staying at Rennes, 
he'd be quite happy with that. You know, he's been at the club uh, his whole career. Uh, you know, he's he, he's got his family uh, close by. You know, he knows the club. Um, and I think because he has experienced a few difficulties this season, uh, it might make sense for him to stay at hand for at least another season, you know, get another full season under his belt and then maybe look to make a move. I mean, we know there's going to be interest. I think Hannah's sort of stealing themselves for bids um, at the end of this season. Uh, you know, perhaps the, the, the wisest approach would be for, for him to agree a move uh, but to remain at hand and, and get another season under his belt. Um, I think the worry with Kamavinga is that he would pick the wrong move, um, go to a big club like Real Madrid or you know whoever else, uh, and struggle to get into the team, um, and then find that actually you know his um, his progress as a footballer has has stopped. And you know we see that an awful lot with with players of this um, of this age with this kind of potential. So I, I think I think he and his advisors will be will will think very carefully about the next step. He signed with the the Stellar Agency uh, at the end of last year, um you know, which will uh, you know only serve to, to 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 facilitate a move to a big club. But I sense that that playing time will be his absolute number one priority. And I think in terms of his development Another full season at Rennes would serve him much better than a move this summer to a club where he's only going to start one game in every two or one game in every three. Um, because, as I said before, he is he is a young player who is still learning the ropes. Yeah, I mean, the, the reason we're sort of doing this podcast is because obviously he's sort of tentatively been linked with Liverpool at times. Real Madrid is a big name that, that comes up a lot, as you say. I mean, just in terms of Liverpool, the obvious sort of thing would be to look at it and say, well, Genie One Alum's moving on, Liverpool may be looking, you know, to, to add a bit more youth to their midfield with a couple of players touching 30. Obviously Kamavinga is at the other extreme of, of his career, the very, very beginning. But do you think that would be something that, that he might be open to? Or, or do you think there might have to be another move before a, a Liverpool or a Real Madrid? I mean, you can see the appeal as a as a potential replacement for Jorginho Winaldum in that, you know, that they're two players with Roughly similar skill sets, central midfielders, you like to get up and down, you know, technically very accomplished. I think one concern from a Liverpool perspective would be the knowledge that it takes players time to get used to the way that Jurgen Klopp wants his team to play. You know, we've seen that uh, most notably perhaps with Naby Keita, um, who we still haven't seen the best of in a Liverpool shirt. And, and he's a player with with much more experience than Kamavinga, uh, who obviously went to Liverpool for a large amount of money and uh, and still hasn't properly found his feet. And I think the Kamavinga camp would probably look at that example and think, well, you know, if if a guy with with the experience of a navigator took uh, so long to you know to, to really settle, um, is it ideal to be pitching an eighteen year old with only two? full seasons of of top level football under his belt into that sort of environment i mean in terms of the you know the, the prestige uh, of the club uh, i'm sure it's the, the sort of club that that would appeal and i think that is the sort of level that that Kamavinga can legitimately aim for um you know he's been he's been linked with real madrid uh, almost since the day that he made his 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 first team debut for Han and, and you know all the other big European clubs seem to be following him. And, I, you know, I suspect that is the sort of club that we'll be looking at. But again, I, I just think it it comes back to this need to find somewhere where he's going to be 
guaranteed as much playing time as possible um, and, you know, given space to learn, space to make mistakes. Uh, and I think given the, the sort of high stakes that you get at clubs like Liverpool and Real Madrid, that, that does make it tricky uh, predicting what would be the sort of ideal club for him to move to next. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Just in terms of his style, do you think he'd be better suited to, to playing in England or, or Spain? Maybe what's the, the sort of feeling in terms of sort of the characteristics of the individual himself as to, to where might suit him best? I could see him playing in England. I think he's got the, the physical qualities, you know, that the speed, uh, you know, both of, of, of thought and, and speed of foot as well. He's got the athleticism. Um, as I said before, he's someone who, who reads the game very well. Um, I'm not sure that there's any big European league that, that would suit him more than any other, I think, because he does have so many strings to his bow. Um, you know, league is, is a pretty physical league. Uh, I think it's probably better preparation uh, for, for for English football than than some other uh, European leagues. Um, so yeah, I, I you know I, I could see him I could see him thriving in England. But again, I think you know that the bottom line has to be that wherever he goes, he needs to play regularly. He needs a coach that that he can trust. He needs a system that's going to suit him. Um, and given that he has had this quite delicate season so far. Um, uh, you know, I, I think there, I think there will be caution uh, when it comes to how, you know, Camavinga and the people around him proceed um, this summer. Uh, when it comes to deciding, you know, which is is the best club for him to continue his career at. You mentioned his his agent, and, and that's Jonathan Barnett, who, who represents Gareth Bale, Jack Grealish, and plenty of others. Interestingly, Ibrahima Kanate and Dujay Kaletikar as well, who apparently have been uh, sort of of interest to, to Liverpool. I mean. It's only a couple of weeks ago that, that Jonathan Barnett, I think, in an interview with The Athletic, was sort of talking about Kamavinga as someone who could move to the Premier League. I mean, just from a, a cynical point of view, it almost seems like they're sort of gearing up for a move. He's only got 12 months left on his deal. He's coming out with sort of statements like that. Is there a kind of feeling that he's expected to move on at, at some point sometime soon? Because just from the outside, it, it sort of seems like it's it's all being geared up that way, as I say. Yeah, I mean, you don't sign with an agency like Stella if you want to stay at the club you're at for the next five or six years and, you know, sort of pursue a nice gentle um, uh, career path. Uh, you know, he has signed with Stella because at some point in the near future, he wants to move to one of the biggest clubs in, in European football. Um, he yeah, he will leave Han at some point in the next 18 months, uh, you know, absolutely, definitely. It, I wouldn't say that he's... You know, that he's too big for the club, but, you know, with his potential and with his age, you know, the fact that he's already a full international, you know, that would be a natural progression. Um, I think that the complicating factors are that when he, you know, when he first emerged sort of back end of the 2018-19 season and, and the early months of the season that followed, people were very quickly talking about figures of, you know, 60, 70, 80 million euros. Um, and at the time, that that felt like an entirely logical sort of fee to attach to a player of that sort of ability at that sort of age. Obviously now with COVID, that changes things quite significantly. Um, plus he is coming to the end of, of this slightly underwhelming season um, where he hasn't really kicked on, where there is this feeling that, okay, we need to be, we need to be careful here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I read those those comments from Jonathan Barnett about, about Kamavinga. And, of course, he's excited about um, 
about the future holds for for his client, and I, you know, I'm sure he sees a big payday um, uh, coming his way before too long. Uh, I just think from from Camavinga's perspective, uh, the priority has to be on 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 game time and and his continuing development because as, as good as he is, he isn't yet ready. I don't think to slot straight into the midfield of one of the biggest clubs in Europe. Um, so, you know, either he needs to spend another season at Hen, either needs to go out on loan somewhere where he's going to be able to play a lot. Um, so I, I hope as, you know, as a, as a big fan of his and, and someone who's, you know, who's watched him quite a lot over the last couple of seasons that whatever happens, he ends up somewhere where he is going to be given time to, to grow and, and time to make those mistakes and, and learn from them in the way that young players has to. Sorry, in young player in the way that young players have to, uh, and doesn't go somewhere where he's just going to sit on the bench and 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 you know lose that that ability to to develop into the you know the absolutely world beating footballer he looks like he has the ability to become. And just very quickly then to, to finish, just in terms of there's sort of been things said about the, the French TV deal and, and potentially sort of financial constraints being put on to, to certain French clubs. Is there any sort of need, desperate need for, for Rennes to sell this summer or are they sort of fairly comfortable economically? I mean, Rennes have always been pretty comfortable uh, given that they're owned by the, the Pinot family. You know, so they are, they have independently wealthy backers. They're not one of these clubs who are dependent on, uh, you know, selling uh, large numbers of players uh, every summer uh, as part of their business model. Um, so it won't be uh, possible for teams to play hardball with and in, in the way that they might be able to with other French clubs um, who are much more focused on selling players. At the same time, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that the hand directors will will have a a price tag in mind for Camavinga, and if a team is able to come in and 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 meet that, uh, I suspect that you know a transfer will be able to be concluded without too much difficulty. Um, so yeah, there's there's no sense that you know that, that I need to to bundle him out of the door as as quickly as possible so that they can cash in. Um, you know they, they've had they've had quite an interesting sort of two or three years. I had there their first qualification for the Champions League. Um, you know they they bought a few players last summer. Um, uh, to prepare for that, and then they've had this slightly underwhelming season. You know, they're not in contention for for Champions League qualification this season. Um, they've had a change of coach, uh, so you know it, it may be that there's a feeling that you know a, a, a cycle is is perhaps coming to an end. I'm not sure, um, but uh, yeah, certainly that you don't get any sense that they will be absolutely desperate to sell uh, this summer. And also, I think because. You know, we're talking about a, a homegrown player that they'll want to make sure that they do what's what's right by him as well. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly one to watch out for. I think, Tom, thanks for, for joining me. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Cheers. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And I'm now joined by tactics and scouting writer Josh Williams of the Analyzing Anfield podcast. And Josh, let's start with just some general thoughts really on Kamavinga. He's only 18, but he seems to be really impressive over the last couple of seasons. And you know, only 18, as I say, it's that's kind of the most impressive thing for me, that he's sort of performing at a much higher level than you'd imagine for somebody of that age. Yeah, well, those types of players, are usually that's that season usually takes note. Really, the um, the age that they come on the scene, so that's what that's what kind of draw my attention to him at the time. Obviously, you mentioned it, that he's still eighteen years old, but then when you watch him play, he doesn't really play like he is eighteen. I think he's clearly, you know, physically above that 
in terms of you know his level of maturity and stuff like that. He looks like he's around his prime years, really, the way he moves on the ball and stuff. So, yeah, it looks like a really interesting player, the type of player that you don't see very often. Um, but again, I do think a lot of it stems from the fact he's a teenager, and you know, you, you think about when a midfield player in particular typically enters his prime, it is usually around the age of 25. And you think that he's got seven years to play football before that happens. It is quite it, it really insistent when, when players like this come on the scene, really. He's been linked with, obviously, a lot of, of top clubs. Real Madrid is sort of one that he's been linked with, really, ever since he, he stepped up into to senior football. But in terms of Liverpool, there's been sort of sporadic links over the last few months. I'm sure those will, will increase given his contract situation ahead of the summer. But stylistically, do you think he'd be a player that would fit into Liverpool? And I suppose with him being that age, you can kind of mould him a little bit into to what you'd want him to become. Yeah, well, I think I think Klopp midfielders are typically of a certain mould. <clears throat> um, if you think of Wijnaldum specifically, he's probably a good example in terms of Wijnaldum just being really, really adaptable. You know, he's, Pep Linders has described Liverpool before as, as, as a team, as a chameleon, because, you know, the, the team can change colours and stuff like that, but still knows it's a chameleon in a way. And Wijnaldum's similar to that in terms of his role usually is predominantly defensive and he stays behind the ball and he takes a few risks and st- stuff like that. But then if you want Wijnaldum to go inside the box and score a headed goal and get you through against Barcelona in a comeback, he can do that as well. Um, so I think Klopp likes players that are just really adaptable, well-rounded. And I think Kamavinga fits that bill. I think le- less, less so on the attacking side of the game in terms of specifically delivering goals and assists and that sort of stuff. But he, he does still possess a well-rounded skill set. You know, when you watch him, he's he got quite offensive qualities to his game in terms of he can carry the ball, he can dribble if, if required and get out of tight spaces and stuff. He's not the most elaborate or expansive passer, um, but he kind of makes up for that on... You know, his, his tendency to carry the ball instead, really. Uh, when, it's, when it comes to passing, he tends to play a little bit safe. But in terms of like a functional, well-rounded midfield player with quite an expansive skill set with and without the ball and things, he does fit that, that Klopp-type bill. And, you know, coming back to his age again, the fact he's 18, he is still very much, well, a bit of a blank slate. more of a blank slate than a typical Liverpool signing. And... You know, in terms of eight, 18 year old players as well, I think with players like that, they usually have to go through a bit of, they have to learn on the fly. And for a team like Liverpool that are competing at the top of Europe for Premier Leagues and Champions Leagues, I'm always a bit wary of signing players before the peak because Liverpool will suffer from those learning curves. But again, Camavinga just looks a little bit ahead of that and he looks like he's learned from quite a bit, even though. He hasn't really. I mean, he's only been in, in a senior team for two years. So, but in terms of stylistically, I would say he's quite a clock midfielder. He's you know really aggressive without the ball, very active, and he, he clearly wants to engage with the opponents. He's naturally a proactive defender without the ball. He's inclined to go and seek the ball and get it back basically, and that's that's Klopp's brand of football really, isn't it? Without the ball, very proactive, very aggressive. So, yeah, I think he's just. He's on his way. Um, I think he could maybe improve his, his attacking game, but you know that's that's being super picky, and 
again, he's, he's only a teenager. You mentioned Genie Wijnaldum there, obviously. He, we expect, will move on this summer. And you imagine, really, that, that Liverpool would have to, to find a replacement for him somewhere. Do you think, I know you mentioned it a little bit there in terms of his age, do you think it, it would be beneficial for Liverpool to go for a teenager? Because you look at the sort of average age of a few of their midfielders, they could probably do with with bringing that down. It, it would certainly be one that would sort of address that problem head on in terms of, of this summer. Yeah, well, the difficulty of Liverpool going for youngsters like this, I, you know, I've said in the past on the Analyzing Anfield podcast about Liverpool needing to behave like a team at the top of the food chain. And in the past few seasons, specifically since Klopp's games, Liverpool, Liverpool have done that. You know, we've signed players as the 10 and 25 so that they spend the peak years at Anfield rather than signing players who are around 21. And when they reach their peak years, they get poached by a Real Madrid or a Barcelona. So I'm generally in favour of Liverpool signing players who are just about to deliver in their career, just about to start winning trophies and, and things like that. And Camavinga is certainly younger than that. And a player that age with that potential usually costs a fair bit. But the difference here is, obviously, there's an ongoing thing regarding his contract. He's only contracted until 2022. And, you know, people are led to believe that he's not signed. So that automatically brings his value down. And I think Liverpool's recruitment is just all about value, really. Um, you know, exploiting little inefficiencies really in the market and if you've got an 18 year old player there with a very high ceiling but with a limited contract you know if he's definitely not signing his club will certainly want to get rid of him this summer because otherwise next summer he pretty much leaves for free so that's the kind of thing Liverpool tend to exploit and if that can happen and you can get him for less than his true worth he's for me he is, he is certainly capable of of being a bit of a wine album you know, heir to the throne type thing, but you know, with the potential to be to be better than Ryan Alden, but he's a little bit different in certain areas. He's left footed as well, which is really nice. Um but yeah, this it's the type of thing that Liverpool can exploit, even though he's younger. This is one that would make a bit of sense. He can play in, in all three sort of midfield positions, six, eight, ten. Obviously, Liverpool don't really often play with an out-and-out number ten. But I suppose that versatility is something that, that Liverpool or, or any other club would look at and, and think of as a positive. And it sort of reminds me almost of Naby Keita in that he can do a little bit of everything. Do you think that's a, a fair comparison, given that he can sort of carry the ball, he can win it back, he can press, he can create? Is it that sort of rounded midfielder that, that Liverpool might look at? But of course... Obviously, misses a lot fewer games through injury than than Keita. Yeah, well, that's it. I think you know when it, when it comes to Klopp, he's really set on having a small squad. He's always been like that. Certain other managers are different. Thomas Tuchel, I think, prefers a big squad. But one of the ways in which Klopp gets around having a small squad is by having players who are a really versatile across different positions, and b apart from this season, but b um, very available and very very suffer from injuries and. He hasn't really suffered from from very many at all. Obviously, he's only eighteen, so they can still come. But he certainly ticks those boxes that you that you want really from a squad building perspective in terms of being versatile across positions, always being available. And I think his comparison to Kate is fairly justified. I think Kate is better on the ball. Um, I think he's more unpredictable and more inclined to uh, just think he's a bit more inclined to take risks, a bit more unorthodox and stuff like that on the ball. Camavinga is a little bit safer, but I do think they both fit that mould of 
a very modern type of central midfielder who's very very capable with and without possession and just suits the natural proactive pressing game that's obviously becoming a bigger thing by the season in, in football really he's just very much in that that modern mold of, of the types of players that are kind of starting to to become more prominent in midfield if you think of like a Navi Keita Eves Basuma um, who we've spoken about before on this podcast I think um, Mateo Kovacic j- j- just players who are what you'd label as press resistance but also active without the ball as well and mobile and you know all that sort of stuff but, but without really offering goals and assists like they kind of offer everything else and that's not much of that's not much of an issue no not every player is is in the mold of a Steven Gerrard Frank Lampard and I think a lot of you know the English perception relates to you need goals from central midfield but that's that's very rarely the case that doesn't usually happen but if you can get a central midfielder to do virtually everything else you know you're, you're going to benefit from that and I think Camavinga despite his age is 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 doing much of that yeah, only only six games missed it is, I think, in nearly three seasons of, of senior football now. So he, he seems to certainly tick that box. I mean, yeah. just to, to finish off, I mentioned this to, to Tom earlier in the podcast. There seems to be a kind of shift towards looking at, at these types of, of players, this sort of profile. You think of Borussia Dortmund with Jude Bellingham, Manchester United have, have gone for Ahmad Diallo, who's a, a youngster as well. Liverpool even with Harvey Elliott almost. Do you think that's almost a, a trend that we're going to start to, to see as as clubs essentially try and, and find new value, they try to, to get these players before their price tags really inflate. Yeah, well, it's, it's difficult because I think from a Liverpool perspective, I've been a little bit surprised at how the club haven't done so much of that. Obviously, we've done it with free agents, such as, you know, Harvey Elliott and I suppose to a lesser extent, Danny Ings and Dominic Solanke, you think, and, and players like this. But if you think of real top Teenage talents, you know the likes of Jaden Jaden Sancho, um, who who interestingly I think did leave on a free or, or for a very small fee right at the end of his contract from Manchester City, and if you think of Jude Bellingham and players like that, I have been a little bit surprised as to why Liverpool haven't made much of a move for those players because they do you know Bellingham in particular it was only at Birmingham City. I, I I am inclined to think it's just because Liverpool tend to avoid races you know for, for these players and you know auctions if you like and when Liverpool know there's another big player in there and in, in Bellingham's case there was two I just think Liverpool are a bit more inclined to look for value and and look for a market and efficiency by signing a player who's maybe a little bit undervalued but despite my desire to see Liverpool sign players who are in the prime just approaching the prime I would like to see Liverpool in my opinion, exploiting the market by signing players who are, who are going to be doing it for the next decade. And I think Camavinga's one, Bellingham's one, Diallo looks like a sensible sign. Although I will say that, you know, Bellingham and Diallo both did cost a lot for um, for teenage prospects. And I think when it comes to Liverpool, this is probably a key point that I'm going to make. I do think FSG in particular were really stung by, in particular, the Andy Carroll deal. Um, because it was it was a last minute thing, it was rushed, it was out of, um, it was almost forced upon them, and he found a solution in Andy Carroll, and it turned out to to bite them really. It wasn't really a good solution. They overpaid considerably, 
And I think it's interesting that since then, really, Liverpool have only signed players that have got you know, that Liverpool have been able to really minimise the risk for. And specifically, me looking at like data and things like that behind a player. Obviously, the younger a player is, the less data you've got on them, so the less sure you can be that this player is going to make it. And I think Liverpool, specifically since Carroll, have been really inclined to only sign players that are almost guaranteed to to be a success. Um, and I think Camavinga looks like he's going to be Bellingham again. Looked like he was going to be Sancho, but you've you've just got less. You've got more stuff that can go wrong, I suppose, if you know less about the player than if he's only at the very start of his journey. Whereas if you sign a player who's around 25, um, you've all, you've obviously got a, a minimum of five years' work to, to go on. And Liverpool can then make a, a more informed decision, sort of thing. So, Yeah, absolutely. I think there's probably little doubt that Eduardo Camavinga is a top talent and he could well be linked with plenty more clubs by the time the summer comes around. But Liverpool will no doubt already be aware of him. With just 12 months left on his deal, he would at least, as Josh says, fit the profile of being a player available a lot more cheaply, I think, than you might expect. But we'll have to just wait and see whether or not Michael Edwards is tempted. For now, from myself, Matt Addison, and my guests, Tom Williams and Josh Williams, thanks for listening and goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.